Hello all my nieces and nephews and welcome to Auntie Jojo's Library. My library is open to all listeners but it was specifically created for my seven wonderful nieces and nephews. I'm late on releasing this episode due to some technical issues that I did not foresee. Today we will be finishing the Calico Illustrated Classics and of Green Gables. Let's get started. A Terrible Tea Party. Chapter 10. October was a beautiful month at Green Gables. Anne reveled in the world of color around her. Oh, Marilla, she said one Saturday morning, I am so glad I live in a world where there are Octobers. It would be terrible if we just skipped from September to November, wouldn't it? Look at these maple branches. Don't they give you a thrill? I'm going to decorate my room in them. Messy things, said Marilla. You clutter your room entirely too much without door stuff, Anne. Bedrooms are made to sleep in. Oh, and dream in too, Marilla. And you know, one can dream so much better in a room where there are pretty things. I'm going to put these flowers in the old blue jug and set them on my table. Mind you, I have a meeting today, Anne. I won't likely be home before dark. You'll have to get Matthew his supper. But you can ask Diana to come over and spend the afternoon with you and have tea here. Oh, Marilla! Anne clasped her hands. How perfectly lovely! I've longed for that very thing. It will seem so nice to be grown-up-ish. You can open the little yellow crock of cherry preserves, and you can cut some fruit cake and have some of the cookies and snaps, said Marilla. I can just imagine myself sitting down at the head of the table and pouring out tea, Anne said. I'll ask Diana if she takes sugar. I know she doesn't, but of course I'll ask her <laughs> as if I didn't know. May we go into the parlor to sit? No, the sitting room will do for you and your company, but there's a bottle half full of raspberry cordial that was left over from the church social the other night. It's on the second shelf of the sitting room closet. You and Diana can have it if you like. Anne flew down the road to ask Diana to come to tea. Of course, she was excited as Anne. At two o'clock, Diana knocked on the door. She was dressed in her second best dress and looking exactly as one should look when invited to tea. Both girls shook their hands as if they had never met before. How's your mother? inquired Anne politely. It was as if she hadn't seen Miss Barry picking apples that morning in excellent health and spirits. She's very well, thank you, said Diana. How was your crop this year? Diana had just hours before asked Matthew the very same question. Our potato crop is very good this year. I hope your father's crop is good too. It's fairly good, thank you. Have you picked many of your apples yet? Oh, ever so many, Anne said, forgetting to be dignified and jumping up too quickly. Let's go out to the orchard and get some of the red sweetings, Diana. Marilla said, Marilla says we can have all that are left on the tree. We can have fruit cake and cherry preserves for tea. The orchard, which is great sweeping, the orchard with its great sweeping boughs that bent to the ground with fruit, proved so delightful that the girls spent most of the afternoon in it. They sat in a grassy corner where the frost had, had spared the green and ate apples while thinking, while talking as fast as they could. Diana had much to tell Anne of what went on at school, and Gilbert Blythe, and Anne didn't want to hear about Gilbert Blythe. She jumped up and suggested they go and have some raspberry cordial. Anne looked on the second shelf of the pantry closet, but there was no bottle of 
raspberry cordial there, a search revealed it was back on the top shelf and put it on a tray and set it on the table with a tumbler. Now please help yourself, Diana, she said politely. I don't believe I'll have any just now. I don't feel like as if I want any after all those apples. Diana poured herself some and sipped it daintily. That's awfully nice raspberry cordial, Anne, she said. I didn't know raspberry cordial was so nice. May I have another tumbler full? I'm real glad you like it. Take as much as you want. I'm going to run out and stir the fire. There are so many responsibilities on a person's mind when they're keeping house, isn't there? When Anne came back from the kitchen, Diana was drinking her third glass full. The nicest I ever drank, said Diana. After a while, Diana announced, I'm awful sick. I might be right to go home. Oh, you mustn't dream of going home without your tea, cried Anne in distress. I must go home, repeated Diana. I feel awful, truly awful. Let me get you lunch anyhow, implored Anne. Let me give you a little bit of fruit cake and some of the cherry preserves. Lie down on the sofa for a little while and you'll feel better. Where do you feel bad? I must go home now, Anne, said Diana. I'm awful dizzy. And indeed, she walked very dizzily. Anne, with tears of disappointment in her eye, got Diana's hat. She went with her as far as the Barry's Barry yard fence. On Monday afternoon, Marilla sent Anne down to Miss Rachel's on an errand. In a very short space of time, Anne came flying back up the lane, tears rolling down her cheek. What's wrong, Anne? queried Marilla in doubt and dismay. Anne couldn't answer. She just cried harder and louder. Finally, she spoke. Miss Rachel was up to see Miss Barry today. Miss Barry was in an awful state. She says that I gave Diana liquor on Saturday and sent her home in a disgraceful condition. She's never going to let Diana play with me. She says I'm wicked. I'm a wicked little thing. Marilla was too stunned to speak. Anne... Are you, are Miss Barry crazy? asked Marilla. What on earth did you give her to drink? Not a thing but raspberry cordial, sobbed Anne. I never thought raspberry cordial could make people drunk. Marilla marched to the sitting room pantry. There on the shelf was a bottle which she, she at once recognized as containing some of her three-year-old homemade wine. And at that same time, Marilla remembered that she had put the bottle of raspberry cordial down in the cellar instead of in the pantry, as she had told Anne. She went back to the kitchen with the wine bottle in her hand. Her face was twitching in spite of herself. Anne, you went and gave Diana currant wine instead of raspberry cordial. Didn't you know the difference yourself? I never tasted it said Anne. I thought it was cordial. Miss Barry will never believe that I, that it was an, on, an honest accident. There, there, child, don't cry, said Marilla. Don't be foolish, Anne. Miss Barry will think better of it when she finds you're not to blame. This was an accident. It will be all right, but it wasn't all right. An hour later, Marilla slammed the door and stomped into the kitchen. Of all the unreasonable women I've seen, she's the worst. I told her it was all a mistake and you weren't to blame, but she simply didn't believe me. I'm so sorry, Anne. I truly am. Anne ran to see Miss Barry herself and begged her for forgiveness, but it was no use. My last hope is gone, she told Marilla. I went up and saw Miss Barry myself, and she treated me like I was a criminal. Anne cried herself to sleep that night. When Marilla went to check on her, she felt worse than ever. 
Poor little soul, she murmured. She lifted a loose curl of her hair from the child's tear-stained face. Then she bent down and kissed the flushed cheeks on the pillow. A Friendship Renewed, Chapter 11 It's all over, Anne said to Marilla. I shall never have another friend. I saw Diana on the road today. She said her mother refuses to allow her to see me. Whatever will I do? There wasn't much that Anne could do, but the following Monday, Anne surprised Marilla by coming down from her room with her basket of books in hand. I'm going back to school, she announced. It's the only way I'll be able to see Diana. Do you think she'll speak to me? I do hope so. If you're going back to school, I hope we'll hear no more of breaking slates over people's heads and such carrying-ons. Behave yourself. Do just what your teacher tells you. Diana's mother will come around some day. Just wait and see. Anne was welcomed back to school with open arms. Her imagination had been sorely missed in games. Ella May gave her an enormous yellow paper pansy. Katie gave her a perfume bottle to keep slate water in. It's so nice to be appreciated, Anne sighed to Marilla that night. Marilla expected more trouble since Anne had again begun to go to school, but none developed. She got a very well she got on very well with Mr. Phillips now. She flung herself into her studies, heart and soul. She was determined not to be outdone in any class by Gilbert Blythe. The rivalry between them was soon apparent. It was good-natured on Gilbert's side, but Anne held a grudge. She wouldn't admit that Gilbert was a rival because that would have been to acknowledge his existence, which Anne refused to do. But the rival was there, and the honors fluctuated between the, them. Sorry. But the rivalry was there, and honors fluctuated between them. One day, Gilbert was at the head of the class. The next, Anne was the leader. When the written examinations came, Anne and Gilbert were both promoted into fifth class. They were allowed to begin studying Latin, geometry, French, and algebra, which are all horrible subjects, and I wouldn't ever want to be studying them. But <clears throat> her only sadness at school came from Diana. She was still forbidden to speak to Anne. It makes me very sad at times to think about her, but really, Marilla, one can't stay very sad for long in such an interesting world, can I? It was months before Anne would see Diana outside of school. One January night, most adults were at a political speech. Diana Barry, white-faced and breathless, with a shawl wrapped hastily around her head, burst through the door. "'What is the matter, Diana?' cried Anne. "'Has your mother relented at last? Are you allowed to speak to me once more?' "'Oh, Anne, do come quick,' implored Diana nervously. "'Minnie May is awfully sick. She's got group.' Father and mother are away in town, and there's nobody to go for the doctor. Minnie May is near death, I'm afraid. Our sitter doesn't know what to do. I'm so scared. What can I do? Matthew, without a word, reached out for his cap and coat. He slipped past Diana and away into the darkness of the yard. He's gone to harness the horse to go to camaraderie for the day. Carmody for the day. For the doctor. Whew, I'll get it right one day. He slipped past Diana and away into the darkness of the yard. He's gone to harness the horse to go to Carmody for the doctor, said Anne. I don't believe he'll find the doctor at Carmody, sobbed Diana. I know that Dr. Blair went to town, and I guess Dr. Spencer went as well. Young Mary Jo never saw anybody with group. Minnie May is just three. She's so small and fragile. Even Miss Rachel is at the speech. Don't cry, Diana, said Anne cheerily. I know exactly what to do for group. You forget that Miss Hammond had twins three times. Just wait till I get 
the Ipecac bottle. You might not have any at your house. That should work just fine. Come on now, we'll take care of Minnie Mae. Minnie Mae was very sick by the time the girls arrived. She was barely awake. She lay on the kitchen sofa feverish and restless while her hoarse breathing could be heard all over the house. Anne went to work with skill and promptness. She knew exactly what to do. Minnie Mae has group all right. She's pretty bad, but I've seen much worse. Much, much worse. For the next hour, Anne helped Minnie Mae. It was hours later when Matthew came with the doctor. He had to go all the way to another town to find one, but the pressing need for assistance had passed by the time the doctor arrived. Minnie Mae was much better than was much better by then and was sleeping soundly. I was awfully near giving up in despair, explained Anne. She got worse and worse until she got sicker than ever. I nursed her back to health. She should be as good as new in no time. The doctor thanked Anne as she left. Later on, he explained to Mr. and Miss Barry that Minnie Mae was at death's door. That little redhead girl they have over at the cupboards in a, is a smart... Ugh. Okay, let's start over. <laughs> That little redhead girl that they have over at the Colberts is as smart as they make them, the doctor said. I'll tell you she saved Babe's life. If it was not for her, Minnie Mae wouldn't be with us. Miss Barry rushed over to see Anne the next day. She begged for forgiveness for keeping her and Diana apart. I was foolish. I should have known you'd never give liquor to Diana. Can you please forgive me? It was truly the happiest day of Anne's life. A Tragic Accident, Chapter 12 On the last day of June, Avonlea was abuzz with news. Mr. Phillips announced he was leaving. At the same time, a new minister, Mr. Allen, and his wife arrived, arrived from the station. The minister and his wife were young. They were full of enthusiasm. Miss Allen is perfectly lovely, Anne announced on Sunday afternoon. She's taken over Sunday class. She's a splendid teacher. I suppose we must have Mr. and Miss Allen up to for tea on Wednesday, said Marilla. They've been most everywhere but here. On Wednesday, Anne set out roses upon the tea table. She was allowed to set out the delicate flower tea set when the minister and his wife sat down. They remarked at once how lovely the table looked. It's Anne's doing, said Marilla. Although Matthew was there, he never said a word to Miss Allen. He still didn't trust women, even if they were a minister's wife. All was merry until Anne's layer cake was passed around. Miss Allen helped herself to a plump triangle, as did the minister and Marilla. Miss Allen took a mouthful of hers, and a most peculiar expression crossed her face. Marilla saw the expression and tasted her piece. Anne Shirley, she exclaimed, what on earth did you put into the cake? Nothing but what the recipe called, Marilla, cried Anne with a look of anguish. Oh, isn't it all right? It's simply horrible, said Marilla. What flavoring did you use? Vanilla, said Anne, and she fled to the pantry and returned with a small bottle partially filled with brown liquid, and it was labeled Best Vanilla. Marilla uncorked it and smelled it. Her eyes rolled back. Mercy on us, Anne, you flavored the cake with muscle ointment. I broke the bottle last week and poured what was left into an old empty vanilla bottle. I suppose it's partly my fault. I am so sorry. Anne sobbed. I'm disgraced forever. I shall never be able to live this down. Miss Allen patted Anne on the arm. My dear little girl, you mustn't cry like this. 
Why, it's just a funny mistake that anybody might make. I appreciate your kindness and thoughtfulness. Now come, you must show me your flower garden. I've heard that you have a little plot of your own. I want to see it, for I'm very much interested in flowers. Anne instantly felt better. The rest of the afternoon was perfect. Before the company left, Miss Allen shared a secret with Anne. You have a new teacher, a woman. Her name is Miss Merle Stacy. I know you're going to love her. But it would be some time before Anne got to meet her new teacher. For the day before school was to start, she attended a party at Diana's house. The girls soon found themselves playing the daring game. Carrie Sloan was first. She dared Ruby Gillis to climb the huge willow tree. Then Josie Pye dared Jane Andrews to hop on her left leg around the garden without stopping once. Then Josie dared Anne. I don't believe anybody could walk on top of Mr. Barry's kitchen roof, she said, all the way to the top where the sides meet. Anne turned pale. pale. She walked towards the house where the ladder was leaning against the kitchen roof. Don't do it, Anne, said Diana. You'll fall off and be killed. Never mind Josie Pye. It's, it isn't fair to dare anybody to do anything dangerous. I must do it. My honor is my stake, said Anne solemnly. Anne climbed the ladder, balanced herself, and started to walk along the roof. She only managed to take a few steps before she swayed and lost her balance. She stumbled, staggered, and fell, sliding over the sun-baked roof sun-baked roof, and crashing off of it. Mr. Barry saw what had happened and rushed over to Anne. He scooped her up and rushed her down to Green Gables. Marilla was out in the orchard picking summer apples when she saw Mr. Barry coming over the log bridge. A whole procession of little girls trailed after him. In his arms, he carried Anne, whose head lay limply against his shoulder. At that moment, Marilla had a revelation. She realized what Anne had come to mean to her. Anne was dearer to her than anything else on earth. Mr. Barry, what has happened to her? She gasped. Anne herself answered, lifting her head. Don't be frightened, Marilla. I fell off the top of the roof. I expect I have sprained my ankle. Then Anne fainted. The doctor confirmed that the injury was much more serious than, that, than they had supposed. Anne's ankle was broken. She'd need seven weeks of bed rest, seven weeks without school. Isn't it fortunate I've got such an imagination, said Anne a few days later. It will help me get through this splendidly. But she didn't have to rely on her imagination too much. She had many visitors. Not a day passed without one or more schoolgirls dropping in to bring her flowers and books and telling her all about their new teacher. Miss Allen has been to see me 14 times. Isn't that something to be proud of, Marilla? She is such a cheerful person to have visit to. Diana has been a faithful friend. Diana says the teachers have the loveliest curly hair. Diana says the teacher has the loveliest curly hair and fascinating eyes. She dresses beautifully and her sleeves puff. Her sleeve puffs are bigger than anybody else's. Did you know that Miss Stacy takes the students to the woods for field day on Friday afternoon? They study ferns and flowers and birds. I believe I shall find that Miss Stacy is a kindred spirit. There's one thing plain to see, Anne, said Marilla, and that is that your fall off the berry roof hasn't injured your tongue at all, not one little bit. Extra Lessons for Anne, Chapter 13 
When Anne returned to school in October, she immediately loved Miss Stacy with all her heart. Anne blossomed in her daily lessons and worked harder than ever in her studies. Out of all the special projects Miss Stacy had planned, the children were most excited about the Christmas concert. Miss Stacy wanted to raise money for a new for a new flag for the flagpole in front of the school. Anne could hardly wait. One night, she invited friends over to Green Gables so that they could practice their singing. It was then that Matthew saw how stylish the other girls were compared to Anne. He got an idea. He decided that Anne must have a fancy dress with puff sleeves for Christmas. He knew that Marilla would never make such a dress, so he asked Miss Rachel to help. I'd love to make a fancy dress, she exclaimed, and on Christmas Eve, she delivered the dress to Matthew. On Christmas morning, Anne opened the dress. It's the most beautiful dress in the world, she screamed. She twirled about the room. Marilla frowned at Matthew. Then she spoke firmly to Anne. Now that you have a dress with puffy sleeves, you must take good care of it. Anne dashed to her room and put it on at once. It was so beautiful and it made Anne weep. Even Marilla had to admit how lovely the dress looked. Many people complimented Marilla on Anne's dress at the Christmas concert that evening. Anne was the star of the evening. The winter months passed as soon as it was Anne's 13th birthday. The winter months passed and soon it was Anne's 13th birthday. Anne suddenly felt grown up. She wanted to do all sorts of grown up things. One evening, Marilla came to Anne's room after she didn't come down for dinner. Anne threw the covers over her head. Don't look at me, Marilla. My hair is horrid. What's wrong with your hair, Anne? Let me have a peek. When Anne sat up in bed, Marilla gasped. Anne had green hair. I bought dye from a peddler. He promised me it would turn my hair black. Look what I've done. My hair is ruined. No matter how much they washed her hair, it remained green. There's only one thing to do, said Marilla, as she grabbed the scissors. She per proceeded to cut Anne's hair almost to the scalp. Anne's clipped head had such a, such a sensation at school the following Monday. But to her relief, nobody guessed the real reason for it. Not even Josie, who informed Anne that she looked like a perfect scarecrow. I didn't say anything when Josie said that to me, Anne confided that evening to Marilla, who was lying on the sofa after one of her headaches, because I thought it was part of my punishment. I wanted to say something back, but I didn't. I do really want to be good, Marilla. I want to be like you and Miss Allen and Miss Stacy. Diana says when my hair begins to grow, I should tie it back with velvet ribbon around my head with a bow on the side. She says she thinks it will be very becoming. But am I talking too much, Marilla? Does it hurt your head? My head is better now. It was a terrible bat. It was terrible. Oh, my goodness. All right. Ugh. My head is better now. It was terrible bad this afternoon, though. These headaches of mine are getting worse and worse. I'll have to go see a doctor about them. As for your chatter, I don't know that I mind it. I've gotten so used to it. Which Marilla's, which was Marilla's way of saying that she liked to hear it. Although she still acted foolishly at times, Anne was growing up. So much so that Matthew and Marilla spoke to Anne in the fall about studying for the entrance exam at Queen's Teaching Academy. Miss Stacy wants to organize a class of advanced students. She'll give extra lessons after school. Would you like to do it? Won't it cost too much money? Asked Anne. That's not for you to worry about, said Matthew. Anne couldn't believe her luck. I want to be a teacher like Miss Stacy more than anything. I promise I'll study hard and make you both proud. Anne was sad to learn that Diana would not be in the class with her. To make matters worse, Gilbert 
Blythe was. They were rivals ri- <laughs> <clears throat> They were rivals from the beginning. Each was at the top of the class, but Gilbert started to ignore Anne. He tried to ask forgiveness for calling her carrot so long ago. Anne decided she didn't like to be ignored by Gilbert, but what could she do? Throughout the year, Anne studied harder than anyone. She was turning into a mature young woman and suddenly taller than Marilla. As the entrance exam drew near, Marilla knew she would miss Anne if she had to go away to teach. When it was time to take her exam, Anne traveled to Charlottetown and saw many of her classmates from Miss Stacy's class. When the test was over, she noticed that Gilbert's look Gilbert looked especially confident. It would be three weeks before any of them would find out if they passed. One evening, Diana rushed up the path to Green Gables, waving a paper. The paper is here, Anne. It says you passed. You tied for first place with Gilbert. Everyone in our class passed. Anne was stunned. She would have liked to score higher than Gilbert, but she reminded herself to be grateful that she passed at all. The news of her passing spread throughout the town. Miss Rachel came to congratulate her. You should be proud of her, Marilla. She set a fine example for all the other girls, Miss Rachel said. The final chapter. A tough decision. Chapter 14. The next three weeks were busy ones at Green Gables, for Anne was getting ready to go to Queen's. There was much sewing to be done, and many things had to be talked over and arranged. Anne's outfit was ample and pretty, for Matthew saw to that. For once, Marilla made no objection to anything he purchased or suggested. One night, Marilla sat by the fire looking sad as Anne, tied, as Anne tried on a new green dress. "'Why do you look so sad, Marilla?' Anne asked. "'I was sitting and wishing that you could have stayed a little girl, even with all your queer ways. You've grown up, and now you're going away. You look so tall and stylish and so different altogether in that dress.' It's as if you didn't belong here anyways. I just got lonesome thinking it all over. Marilla! Anne sat down on Marilla's lap, took Marilla's lined face between her hands, and looked tenderly into Marilla's eyes. I'm not a bit changed, not really. I'm only just pruned down and branched out. The real me is just the same. It won't make a bit of difference where I go or how much I change outwardly. At heart, I shall always be your little Anne. Your little Anne who will love you and Matthew and dear Green Gables more and better every day of her life. Anne laid her fresh young cheek against Marilla's faded one and reached out a hand to pat Matthew's shoulder. Marilla would have given much to... Marilla would have given much just then to have possessed Anne's power of putting her feelings into words, but nature and habit had willed her silence once again. She could not put... Okay. She could only put her arms close about her girl and hold her to her heart, wishing that she need never let go. Matthew, with moisture in his eyes, got up and went outside. Under the stars of the blue summer night, he walked across the yard to the gate under the poplars. The gate under the poplars. He looked up and spoke to the stars above. Well, now, I guess she ain't been much spoiled, he muttered proudly. I guess my putting in my two cents occasionally never did much harm at all. She's smart and pretty and loving, too which is better than all the rest. She's been a blessing to us, and there never was a luckier mistake than what Miss Spencer made. If it was luck, 
I don't believe it was any such thing. It was fate, because the Almighty saw we needed her, I reckon. When Anne arrived at the academy, she discovered that both she and Gilbert signed up for second-year work. This meant that they would complete two years in one. It would be a hard schedule with vigorous lessons. Anne felt quite confident that she could do it. The only person Anne knew in her class of 50 students was Gilbert. She was surprised on how confronting that was. While she still didn't dare to speak to him, she was glad that someone from home was in her most difficult classes. One day, she overheard him speaking about a special scholarship called the Avery Scholarship. Whoever won would get to take a four-year course at Reedman College for free. Anne smiled at the mere thought of free education. The Avery would be awarded to the person with the highest marks in English literature. Anne thought about Gilbert and how well he did in both subjects. Could she beat him and win the scholarship? She was almost too afraid to try, for if she failed, she would never forgive herself. Finally, Anne made up her mind that she was going to do her best and win the scholarship. Anne wasn't terribly homesick at Queen's because Avonlea students took the train home most weekends. Gilbert was always one of the students on the train home, but he kept his nose down in a book at all times. The weekends were a special time filled with family, baking treats, and fun with Diane. While she loved her time at Queen's, it was always difficult when she had to leave Green Gables once again to return. It seemed like the goodbyes came too fast for her liking, but knowing that she'd soon return again to Matthew, Marilla, and Diana made leaving a bit easier. But the weekend trips home became less frequent after the holidays. The students had to study more. Anne's classes became harder as the workload became greater. Anne's confidence wasn't quite the same as it had been upon her arrival. She was certain that a girl named Emily would win the scholarship, for Emily always had such brilliant things to say in class. When she spoke, everyone sat at attention and waited for her next thought. This only made Anne more determined to study. She thought of Matthew and Marilla and how proud they'd be if she won the scholarship. One morning, the announcement was made. Anne walked into the building where the results were being posted. Gilbert passed her in the hallway and charged up the stairs. A minute later, she finally found herself outside the classroom where everyone was gathered around the results. Someone started to shout, Three cheers for Anne Shirley, winner of the Avery Scholarship! Three cheers for Anne! Anne felt numb. She had one. She pushed through the crowd to see the results for herself. There at the top was her name. Right behind her by two points was Gilbert. He had won the gold medal. When Marilla and Matthew came to see her commencement and found out she'd won a full scholarship... To a four-year college, they were thrilled and proud, but Anne was worried when she saw them. She noticed that Marilla and Matthew looked sickly. Was it a long journey, or was it Matthew's heart and Marilla's headaches? She became frightened and thought. She became frightened at the thought. Anne traveled back to Green Gables with them for the celebration. Plans were made for a party the following week, but the celebration never came. While tending the fields, Matthew collapsed and died. It came suddenly, said the doctor, most likely after he read this. He handed a newspaper to Anne. There was an article about a bank being in trouble. It was the very bank that Matthew had all of his money in. Now Matthew was dead, and the Colberts had not a penny to their names. These days passed slowly for Anne, for her heart was heavy. She planted a white rose bush in Matthew's memory and spent time caring for it every day. Two weeks later, when Anne went to the water to water the bush, she was surprised to see Marilla there. I'm going blind, Anne. The doctor confirmed it. My headaches have become constant. I must stop reading, knitting, and writing at once. 
We must sell the farm. I won't be able to take care of it. Thank heaven you have your scholarship. Anne's heart sank. This was all too much to face at such a young age. She couldn't imagine Marilla without her sight, and the thought of them losing Green Gables was retching. Anne knew what she must do. She had to be brave. I'm not going to Redmond, Marilla. I want to stay with you. I'll care for you like you cared for me. I'm sixteen and a half now. I can make decisions such as these. Marilla hugged her daughter. She knew that once Anne made up her mind, she wouldn't change it. You have given me so much happiness and comfort. Miss Rachel came by later that day with more comforting news. You are to be the new teacher here in Avonlea, Anne. Miss Stacy's term is up and she'll be moving on. Gilbert was to take the job, but he insisted that you have it. Anne ran to see Gilbert at once. How can I ever thank you? I just hope we can put our past behind us now and be friends, he said. I still feel awful about that day in school. It was time Anne confessed how she had forgiven him long ago. The two spent hours making up for lost time. They even spoke of their childhood days, keeping up with their studies and what the future held for each of them. She secretly wondered if perhaps Gilbert would be in her future. As Anne walked back to Green Gables, she smiled as she waved to the trees. Green Gables is where I belong. This is my home for now and always. And it was. Thank you so much for joining me in my library for the reading of Anne of Green Gables. Thank you so much for joining me in my library for the reading of Anne of Green Gables. As always, if you have story suggestions, email me at auntiejojoslibrary at gmail.com. The next episode, we will be reading our final fairy tale for the month of February. I'm looking forward to sharing more stories with you.